Hi there, I'm Lane and this is Property Explained. These are my words and now I'm going to read them to you. Episode 18, what should my lawyer do during due diligence on a property? A lawyer is the first port of call during the due diligence process, earlier than even a mortgage broker. The role of a lawyer is an important one and also the most expensive. So in this article, you'll learn exactly what you need to know about the services a lawyer is going to provide you, what's the best one to use, and how much it's going to cost you. Let's get started. So what lawyer should I use and what can I expect them to do for me? Well, prospective buyers can choose any lawyer they want to work with. In fact, most don't even really require a face-to-face meeting, so they can be for anywhere in the country. Here at Opus Partners, we work closely with lawyer Jenny Turner, who's a partner at Wynn Williams. And she says it's a lawyer's role to guide an investor through the entire due diligence process. And this starts from the date the contract is signed until the purchase is finally settled. This includes reviewing the contract, reviewing the LIM, that's the Land Information Memorandum, and reviewing the title of the property. Usually, your lawyer will start by reviewing and negotiating the sales and purchase agreement, that's just the contract that you sign when you put a property under contract, and then moving to reviewing the LIM and title. But they'll only do that once the original contract is acceptable. In the article you're listening to, we've got an excerpt from a LIM report, and your lawyer will review this to make sure it's acceptable for you. The example used shows a resource consent application that enabled the construction of an apartment building. And your lawyer will check through the 60-something page document looking for risks like the potential for flooding and amendments to the property that haven't had the right consent. And here's the thing about contracts. They are littered with jargon and fine detail fodder. So even a well-read person can look at a contract and go, oh my goodness, what on earth does all of this mean? But because lawyers deal with this kind of speak day in and day out, they can distill it into the key points needed for you, the investor, to make an informed decision. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is don't stress too much about trying to understand everything in the contract before you talk to your lawyer. They will explain it to you and they will ensure that you are comfortable with it before you sign anything. And even though I've said you can choose any lawyer that you want to, we do have a couple of tips for you. Number one, be wary of going overly cheap. And number two, it's absolutely essential to find one who has experience with turnkey contracts if you're buying a new build. I'll expand on both of these points further on in the episode. If you are looking for information on good property lawyers out there, Opus Partners has a top five property lawyers article, which you'll find on our website. Okay, so what clauses do I need to look for before signing a contract? Sure, I've just said your lawyer is going to explain everything to you after they get the contract, right? But it may be the case that you want to look through your contract before you give it to your lawyer. In this case, a due diligence clause is included in the further terms of sale, which is in the sale and purchase agreement that you get when you purchase a property. This clause allows you to get a property under contract at a price you are willing to pay so you can then decide whether or not it's the right property for you. The exact wording used in the clause is going to change based on who wrote the contract. In the article you're listening to, there is an example of a due diligence clause. And while I'm not going to read it out for you word for word, have a look so you can see what to look out for. And if you are going to sign a contract before talking to your lawyer, and if you are going to sign a contract before talking to your lawyer, at a bare minimum, there are four clauses that you should look out for before you sign. Number one, due diligence. This is the right to not buy the property if you decide it's not right for you after doing your research within the 10-day period. Number two, the right to cancel. This is the same as a due diligence clause, but it's explained in plain English and included for the absence of doubt. Number three, finance. This is the right to not proceed with the contract if the bank won't lend you the money for the property. And number four is the solicitor approval. This is the right to cancel the contract if your lawyer is unhappy with the limb and title. 
There are some more examples of the further terms of sale in the article you're listening to. But basically, for any standard agreement, the right to cancel clause should literally be in bold. The right to cancel clause is so important because if you sign a contract to buy a house before talking to your lawyer, you need to make sure that there is a way out if you need it. So next up, how much is a lawyer going to cost me? Now, a lawyer's bill is going to be somewhere in between two and a half dollars to $3,500 for services providing during the due diligence process. The difference in costs, and it's quite a large difference, but that will come down to how complex each case is, and the level of work varies from person to person and investment to investment. For instance, if you're going to call your lawyer every day asking complicated questions throughout the entire 10-day due diligence period, you're naturally going to get a higher bill at the end. But not every investor is going to use their lawyer to this extent. Payment of lawyer services often happens at settlement, so once the property is complete. Many investors will receive a cashback from their bank at this point when they take out a mortgage, and some will use this to pay their lawyer's fees. It is important to note that if you decide to not purchase the property you have under contract, you may still have to pay your lawyer for supplying you with services up to this point. Some, but not all, will consider offering a discount to recognise the situation that you're in. And this is a conversation to have before you set out. Okay, so I mentioned it earlier, but why not head for the cheapest firm, right? Surely, all lawyers are expensive and they can all do the same thing. Why not save a couple of bucks? Sure, any lawyer can transfer the property into your name, but the difference between a quality lawyer and one who is more run-of-the-mill is all about the care taken in reviewing the specific construction-based clauses in your contract. So a lawyer should be reviewing and checking for irregularities in your limb, your title, and any body corporate or residence association rules and minutes. And these are the sorts of checks and protections that may not be included by the cheapest firm or with a lawyer who doesn't have experience with construction or turnkey contracts. And a small warning, you definitely want a lawyer who is going to protect you, but you also don't want a lawyer who is too cautious and who may lose you the deal. So while we're talking about them, what are turnkey contracts and why do I want a lawyer who specialises in them? Turnkey contracts come into play when investors buy property that have not yet been built. So we're talking about new build, off-the-plan properties. And investors dealing with these sorts of contracts will be best served by working with a lawyer who specialises in and who has experience working with these types of contracts. And that's because there are clauses in these types of contracts that you just will not see when you're buying a property that has already been built. So an existing property. For instance, a new build property does not have its own title, and buyers can't just walk through lines on a piece of paper. So essentially, the terms of the contract is only going to say, this is what the property will look like. And even seemingly black and white contracts can often give the developer a lot of flexibility in the fine print. Sure, some flexibility is necessary, but there might be some clauses that you are uncomfortable with. For example, a developer who is building for over 18 plus months may not be able to get the exact same black corrugated iron stated in the initial specifications. Instead, the builder might switch it up and get grey. It is important the clauses in the contract do allow for some flexibility, but you don't want the high quality materials listed in the original specs to be exchanged for a lesser quality. An example of this might be if you think you're buying high quality Fisher & Paykel appliances, only to find out the developer has replaced them with a cheaper, more budget brand. But a lawyer is going to go through each of these clauses and all of the fine print to make sure that there are appropriate protections in place to stop this from happening to you. So if you aren't comfortable with some of what the contract allows, then there are instances where a lawyer can argue the contract is too in favour of the vendor, 
which is a person selling the property, and request a variation, which is a variation to the fine print written into the contract. However, the likelihood of your variation being accepted by the developer's lawyers comes down to the current state of the market and the demand for the build. So if you're asking too much, the developer may decide it's just easier to sell the property to somebody else who's less troublesome. It never hurts to ask, but you also don't want to lose the good deal in front of you. And last up, your lawyer is going to talk to you about how you want to own your property. So the best way to own your property, whether it be in a trust, a company, or in your own name, will be discussed with your lawyer in conjunction with your property accountant. And the ultimate decision on structuring property ownership is highly personal, depending on what else you've got going on in your life. For instance, if you're the director of a business facing higher personal risk through liability, then you may decide it's best to hold your properties in a trust. Similarly, if you have a partner and you would like to structure ownership so that it's not subject to relationship property, then your lawyer may decide it's best to hold it in a company or a trust. But using these different entities or ways of owning property also come with higher costs, so just bear that in mind. This is why, if your personal situation is a bit more quote-unquote normal, so you work a job and you earn salary, then it may be better just to simply buy the property in your own name. And this simple structure is the cheapest way of owning property And it happens more often than not, to be honest. Again, you'll decide what's right for you based on talking to your lawyer and your property accountant and the IRD's rules and policies at the time that you make your own purchase. Every case is different, and in some instances, the ownership may not have the best legal structure, but it might save you significant amounts of tax. If you're looking for more information about due diligence, there is a whole series of due diligence on our website. We go through the entire 10-day timeline, who you need to speak to, when, and how much it will all cost you. Go check it out. Good luck.